Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, wishing everybody a very good morning, afternoon or evening, uh, whenever or wherever you are tuning into the uh, podcast from today. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage. Uh, welcome to the uh, to today's show, um, everybody. On the show today, we're going to be talking about multilingual events. Many of our listeners will have experience of working at events with uh, international visitors. And on today's show, we're going to look at how technology is helping us to deliver content that can be accessed by people who don't necessarily speak the native, native tongue relevant to the event location. Our guest today is Leslie Robertson. Leslie, welcome to the show. Hello. Um, Leslie is the founder of Open Audience and Open Meet. We're going to learn a little bit more about those uh, respective organizations and companies um, as we progress through today's podcast. Um, Leslie, it's the first time on the show today. As I mentioned, we're going to be talking about multilingual events and, and mm -hmm. what's being done and what's available in the industry to, um, to manage those and deliver those successfully. First of all, what, what qualifies you uh, specifically to speak on this particular subject? Uh, well, th thanks for inviting me on. Uh, I, I, I guess it comes from the basis that as a Scotsman, I sometimes struggle with English myself. <laughs> and uh, I was lucky enough during the career that I had uh, to live and work internationally for 10 years. And, and during that period, uh, I worked across 32 different countries where English was not the first language. Uh, but uh, business English was the language of the offices. Uh, and so during my career, which was in healthcare, I spent a lot of time working with teams, uh, leadership teams and sales teams, where I was having to think about how I explain things that to me seem quite normal and natural, but almost like how do you engage an audience where maybe the content's not country specific, but also mm -hmm. from a business language, uh, business language perspective, you're maybe not using words and phrases that they've learned when they've used uh, when they've learned English. Uh, I also worked with some people where English was maybe the fifth language. Uh, right. So I, I speak one language and one language only, uh, but I'm used to working with teams of people who don't naturally speak English as a first language. And I think over the last year, we'll maybe come on to talk about it, we've delivered events in China, Japan, Santiago, Chile, plus a few others, where mm -hmm. although it's been in business English, the audience is multilingual. And, and you mentioned, um, just to pick up on something, the uh, healthcare industry, and, uh, and I know that the, that the healthcare industry and the pharmaceutical industry um, have uh, a, a reputation for, for delivering a lot of international events. You know, yeah. all over the world, you will get gatherings of healthcare professionals and people from the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it's, a, it's a major contributor to the, to the conference and the yeah. meeting industry, isn't it, with the international yeah. events that they have. Um, I suppose then just to, to turn it slightly on to the actual companies that you operate um, and how that ties into your own experience. Yeah. Tell us about open meeting and uh, an open audience, because yeah. I suppose that will start to shed a little bit more light on what we're going to talk about uh, on today's show. Yeah, well, I, 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 my, my background, as I say, was healthcare, but I also did quite a lot in terms of employee engagement as I went through. So I originally started in HR. Uh, and I, I came out with an idea of... How, how do you change the shape of meetings? And, and, and it's almost like death to boring meetings. Like, what can you do that switches the light on, that allows you to measure and change behavior in, in a meeting? 
So I set up open audience originally to start to think about how do you create engaging experiences for delegates so that they feel involved, that they feel engaged, that they feel as though they're contributing to the agenda. And then, and that was how I set up open audience. And that's everything from uh, bespoke engagement plans, how you set the agenda, et cetera, et cetera. Then, then I, I thought about, well, how do I combine that consultancy with technology? Because there must be tech solutions. So I'm not a technologist. I know a lot of people who are. But my, my, my bag was about how do, I, how do I create technology that allows us to have an engaging experience which has measurable outcomes? Uh, and so OpenMeet is predominantly a, a bring-your-own-device platform, but we also have offline platforms as well. And, and, bring your own, uh, and OpenMeet was set up specifically to address some of the challenges I saw in events which is a lot of people surfing meetings, not feeling engaged or feeling wanted sometimes. And how do you use technology in a way that's simple, straightforward, and allows them to feel as though they are contributing to the event itself? Uh, and of course, when we talk about contributing to an event, when we talk about engagement at event, yeah. when we talk about people feeling detached from the content that's being yeah. delivered, going back to the crux of today's episode and talk about multilingual events, if you don't understand the person delivering a seminar session, for example, and yeah. you don't speak the language and you can't read the, um, the information related to that session in the brochure or the show guide or the app, yeah then language is going to be the fundamental barrier to engagement and yeah. participation, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I think if, if you look at predominantly the meetings that we are involved with, it might be a congress, it might be a sponsored symposia, it might be a standalone event, it might be an internal briefing session. It might be, you've got people who probably have some kind of conversational English because they've been invited to a congress where all the presentations are in, this, in English. Uh, but like you or I who might learn schoolboy French or German or whatever, you, you go from basic to uh, beginner to intermediate to expert. And, and you might go to English in a way where you understand the technical terms or, or you don't. So mm. I, I think that the thing that we were trying to kind of look at is that even in English, engaging an audience is, 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 is so important. And, and we, we often have conversations where someone says, I want to use technology, and you say, well, why? And you say, well, I want the audience to be more engaged. And it's like, all oh, right, okay, help me here. How do you define audience engagement? And, yeah. and that, that, that's, a, that's a, a, webinar, a webinar in itself, because you get people saying, oh, it's, it's that lean forward moment when it's like, oh, I can physically see they're engaged. Yeah. Or someone might say, well, it's when they ask a lot of questions. And some might be, say, well, it's when they're not on their phones. And some might be it's an NPS score at the end where we get a really good NPS score. So what, what we try and do is un, unwrap what they mean by audience engagement, and then try and plot a, a technology journey, which helps them have a measurable outcome, whether it's changing behavior, getting insight, or just measuring the engagement that a, a delegate has at a meeting. And, and for us, it's about how do you take passive delegates and, and turn them into active participants? Uh, and that's driven by having run a lot of rubbish meetings in my, my past. <laughs> having sat through a lot of rubbish meetings, but I've also seen some great meetings. And, and I see some great meetings around the world that with just a little tweak and a little additional uh, thought around, oh, maybe everybody's not got the same level of English. You can change a, great, a good meeting to a great or an outstanding meeting. I, I can almost hear the next question being shouted by, um, by our listeners, is, which is then t tell us about the technology itself. When we're talking about delivering multilingual events, yeah. this is something that 
we have the technology now to be able to deliver. Tell us a little bit yeah. about how that actually works and how it's deployed. Well, it's, it's, every meeting we do is, is different. I, I don't think we've got a standard way using technology as we go around the world. So um, I, I, it's extreme. Uh, we were asked on a Wednesday, are you busy at the weekend? And it's like, oh, yeah. Well, we're not. What can we do? Well, can you get to Shanghai? Uh, well, yeah. Like, what are we doing? Well, there's a clinical investigator meeting. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, we can go. So, uh, the Thursday we got the contract. The Friday, my tech guy uh, ended up going to the airport, uh, not knowing what flight he was on. <laughs> uh, we got to Shanghai and they said, uh, by the way, it's in Mandarin. Uh, the whole event's in Mandarin. Uh, can your platform cope with Mandarin? Yes, it can. Uh, so we effectively ran an event in Shanghai in Mandarin, where our platform was fully programmed in, 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 in Mandarin. Uh, and, and we don't speak Mandarin, but what you obviously need is a moderator or an organizer who helps you think about what you do, how you do, and how to push out polls, how to take questions. And that, that, that's one example. Uh, another example we ran recently in, in Santiago, Chile, where there were uh, Portuguese, Spanish, and English speakers in the room. Right. And what they had was they had translation booths. But the question asked in Spanish went to English, went to Portuguese, went back to English, went back to Spanish. And then what we were doing in real time with iPads is taking questions in English. Sorry, taking questions in, in any language, Portuguese, Spanish, or English, mm -hmm. and providing a translation to the stage. So the chair always had the question in English uh, approved by the moderator. So our, our, our platform is such that we can cope with languages, uh, we can cope with questions in any language, uh, and it's then a process of how do you take questions in any language and how do you make sure that the, the chair at the front of the room can understand what's been asked in the room. And, and just, just to, I suppose, to clarify and, 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 and draw a more detailed picture of it, when we're talking about how the translations are manifesting themselves, are you utilizing um, a digital platform where yeah. the it's just text only that's fed in? Are there any actual interpreters and, and how yeah, yeah. somebody so, wants to listen to it? How does it yeah, work? Yeah, because you know, if, you, if, you look at, if you look at digital platforms that translate, mainstream languages like Russian, Spanish, uh, whatever, it's, it's a very faithful translation. And we, we do a lot of technical medical events mm -hmm. where you've always got to be clear that the words that are being put through, it's, it's all moderated, it all has to be approved. Uh, and so if someone's mentioning something technically in Portuguese, you need to make sure it's a faithful translation. Right. So, so in the Cantonese example, we were sat next to a, a, a Cantonese medic who was making sure that, that things were going through. If you look at the, the, the other ones, then there's always a step before. Uh, we also get to a point of being able to share the local language plus the English translation. But, uh, but, but part of it is about, you know, it's almost like a t it's taking a step back from the tech, which is why do you do that? Yeah. You know, uh, because tech is tech and, and, and tech platforms, it's, 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 it's logical to say it's what you do with it that makes a difference. So there's almost a first step where you actually have to think, I've got a multilingual audience, so what? Mm. Should I be doing something about it? Uh, should I worry about it? Well, they, they must all be able to speak English because they're, they're coming. So therefore, I'm sure they'll put their hand up and ask a question if they've got one. And, and, and if that's where you start, that's not always where the audience is. Mm. 
and, and, and we got we got involved with an event where we I ended up running it in five helping run it in five languages because it previously run uh, and what what they ended up doing was getting some spa, uh, some Scottish and Irish facilitators who talk very quickly to an audience where only maybe 30% had English as a first language. Right. Uh, and so the engagement scores and the, the feedback they got at the end was, mm, it didn't really work for a big percentage of the audience. Sure. So I, I got involved in the second round where we actually thought about engaging in five different language groups. So I, I helped pre-engage, which is a big part of it, uh, with uh, pre-engage in five languages. And then worked with the organizers and with the company to translate all the materials in five languages. So a delegate could sit there with an iPad, listen in English and look at the presentation in, in Italian. I see. Uh, they could ask a question in French and it was translated to English for, for the chair. And you've just preempted my, my next next question, actually, which was that how, how does the end user actually access it? So when you're talking about you know, bring your own devices, it's people connecting to a network using the event app, presumably, where yeah. there will be an option to select which language yeah. they would like to read it in. Yeah, well, no, well, not not quite because uh, I, again, what I've, I've moved away from is that we've got it's a web-based platform. Uh, uh, so we would set something up with a unique URL. Uh, so it's uh, eventtechengage.com. Uh, uh, you would say to delegates, okay, get your phones out, uh, boys and girls, and log into uh, eventtechengage.com, and then you're straight in the meeting. Right. Uh, and then what you have is the ability using your own uh, keyboard, if you want, to then start to engage in your own language. Uh, but the platform we've got at the moment is, is an English language platform, but with the ability to process manage the polls, questions, and various elements in, in local language, if we sure. choose to do that. Um, uh, from a development point of view, going back to when you, when you started these organizations, um, how much R&D had to go into to creating the, the, the services that you're able to manipulate and deploy and tailor for your own clients? And, and how much was, was already available that you've been able to just integrate with your own platform? Yeah. When, when I started this, I had no technology. So uh, I was looking at across the, I, 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 we or I work on the basis if a client says I'd like to do something, that's absolutely we can do that. Then we go out and worry about delivery. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're only as good as your last delivery. So I've looked at commercial available technologies, I've looked at apps, I've used free apps in events because it's, it's all about finding the right, there's a technology solution for everything you could ever think about. But yeah. you've got to be confident that you understand that you know how to use it and you know how to keep the client safe. Because ultimately, you don't want to have spent $100,000 or £200,000 on an event. And then it's remembered because the technology didn't work. Right. Uh, so we, we've spent a lot of time and effort and, and a considerable amount of money developing something that, that, that works for me uh, and works for me in the basis I'm not a techie. Uh, I've created something that I can use because that's so important because if you're trying to adapt in the moment in an event, you can't say, well, you know, I have to go through 42 steps. You've got to be nimble on your feet because we, we tend to run our technology in a way where we're in the room. Yeah, and we're there working before, we're doing due diligence, we're thinking about, because we use Wi-Fi or internet or 3G or 4G, uh, we make sure that wherever we are, we have 
the ability to do that. Now, if you don't trust the 3G, 4G or, or, or internet, we will provide iPads offline. I see, right. So we, we ran, for example, an event in Frankfurt in an asset management company, uh, 250 iPads in German for three days. Set the iPads up in German, German keyboards, the presentations were in German, uh, predominantly there was some English. All the, the polls were in German, uh, some were in multi-languages. And myself and my tech team sat at the back of the room with, with headphones on, trying to listen for, let's go to the iPads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that yeah. We, so that we could actually, right, okay, iPads, right, quick, get ready, get ready. And, and then <laughs> process manage it like that, which is good fun. It's great fun. So it's a, le- a learning curve every day. And, and, and my next question was going to be, how many, um, uh, how many languages can you cope with at the moment simultaneously? So I suppose yeah. it's a three-part. Simultaneously, how many are available to clients in total and how easy is it to add any languages that you might not have available at the moment? Right. So because we, we believe we can cope with any language in the world. Right. Yeah, it's a big, big claim. Uh, because we use platforms to then help us translate any language in the world, the variability of the translation will, will differ. So, so sometimes if you look, look at uh, you know, Russian scripts, it could be confused with Bulgarian uh, alphabet, could be confused with the Serbian alphabet. Right. So th- there are nuances like that you actually have to think of. Uh, but effectively, if you think of, I, I go to a lot of congresses and conferences where there might be 100 languages in the room. Mm. You might be running a, a global medical symposia where a company is launching product X or trial Y. And, and literally have somebody from any country in the globe. And, and so part of it is thinking, A, how do you process manage the sheer volume of questions? But how do you then make sure that anyone who wants to ask a question can be heard? Uh, sure. And it's, it's not unusual for us to get in an hour and a half through our, our platforms, get, you know, with, with uh, three, 400 people in the room, we can get well over 100 questions in, in different languages. And, and, and that's almost the ability to, you, you still have microphones in the room, but what, what you're taking out is the English speaker who's very confident having a conversation with the, the faculty or the front of the room. Mm. And you're allowing anybody in the room who isn't confident using English to ask a question, either in English as best they can, uh, which is great and a lot of people do, uh, clunky, positive English, or to say, well, look, if you only speak Spanish and you're not so hot on English, ask it in Spanish because they'll, they'll understand it. And of that's course, just yeah. so important. Of course, yeah. Well, when, when, going back to the, the event you mentioned over in Shanghai where you delivered yeah. it in Mandarin, um, one of the key things about that that you mentioned was that you got the call maybe on the, on the Thursday, flew out Wednesday. on Friday, uh, Wednesday, uh, and then had to, um, had to deliver the, the event over a weekend. So a very, very short space of time yeah. and probably not much time at all to plan. At the other end of the spectrum, if you are in the luxurious position of having quite a bit of time to plan and work with a client in advance are you able to look at things like seminar content like powerpoint presentations and and, and are you able to actually bring that in and incorporate that within and and have it sort of ready to go so to speak yeah well i I think there's a couple of things one one is there's the where where open audience started was to say well if you're developing an agenda talk to us about how to engage your audience along the way so if you have rock star specialists talking about the, 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 the topic, uh, in, encourage them to think about the kind of questions they want to ask. Should they be asking at the beginning of something, what do you know about what I'm about to tell you? 
Because mm. if there's other experts in the room, I would like to know so that I'm, I'm not caught out. Uh, if, if everybody's saying they'd like to know at this level, there's no point in me pitching a presentation up at this level. Sure. So there's something about design of the content. If, if we've got the luxury of time, and we often do because we're programming events in for next June, okay. a, year, a year's time, where we get involved with the speakers to say, let's have a look at your presentation. All right, how would you do it normally? How would you engage? When would you ask questions? How would you ask questions? What do you want to know? Hmm. And then, then, then in a lot of the compliant industries, you're having to think about how it goes through the approval process. So often we're involved in setting up the meeting, setting up the screenshots, setting up what it would look like, and then getting it through approval. Uh, and, and so we work with lots of organizations where we do have three months, four months, five months lead time. We do end up having to think about almost effectively running the meeting in advance so we've got the appropriate screenshots so it can go through some kind of approval process. And, and then there's a the whole thing about, okay, have you got translation in the room? If you haven't, what are you going to do? What URL are you going to have? Uh, and I, I, was involved in, uh, I was involved in facilitating an event in, in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it was predominantly Japanese, uh, predominantly local local uh, uh, audience uh, who all had some business business English. But what we had to think about there was the use of technology in a way where there's a whole hierarchy in terms of culture. Senior person speaks first. No one else then you know generalization. No one else then gives you a view. Mm -hmm. uh, people are, are are not so confident about giving you an opinion. So we set up the whole event to think about engaging them before each topic to say, you know, what, are you, what do you think about X, Y, Z? What, what's your feeling about ABC? Tell us what you think about X, Y, Z. Yeah. And then using the data in real time behind us on the screen to say, that's interesting. Let us tell you what we think about it. Yeah. Because we tried the, would one half of the room like to say something? Uh, no. Uh, would this half the room like to say something? Uh, no, right, okay. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that just looks silly. So, I, I, that, 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 that's 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 um, local knowledge, but also international understanding of different etiquette. Yeah, levels of courtesy, yeah. local customs. As yeah, it, be, people may just not feel comfortable in that particular environment, yeah. given what they consider social etiquette and business etiquette to be, to put yeah. their hand up and, and either criticize or offer a differing yeah. opinion from a person who's seemingly in a position of authority. Yeah. Whereas they will go onto an iPad and if they can maybe yeah. submit a question anonymously, yeah. they, 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 you know, it's a great way of, of, of coping with those, the, those sort of yeah. different levels of, of etiquette and social um, decorum, I suppose, yeah. that you would yeah. encounter in different countries. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, that's why using your own device is so important because, I, I mean, I stood and watched some of the audience uh, and, and, and people who speak more than one language have more than one uh, keyboard on their phone. Yeah. And they know how to go from Russian to English, from English to Japanese, from Japanese to Italian. They know how to do that. Uh, and, and, and it is interesting watching people who are thinking through a question and, and you could see them almost thinking, right, I'll start in English, but then swap to Japanese or I'll swap to Japanese. And the event I talked about in five languages, uh, I, I watched the French table, uh, French speaking table. Uh, and there was a girl sat there with an iPad and she started typing in English and then she changed a, a wee bit. And then she, she wrote something on her pad and then she typed a second sentence in, in English and then wrote a bit. And then she typed, she wrote a third sentence and then she passed it to a friend who scored a, a bit out and then wrote that third sentence in English. And then she popped the, the question into the iPad and she put it in, in English. 
But the very fact that she'd taken time and effort to go from French to English made sure that she got her question mm-hmm. to the front of the room. Uh, in a way that she would never have stood up, she would never have got up in front of a, of a, mic, of a microphone because mm-hmm. she wasn't quite sure how to have yeah. it. Yeah. She went to the whole effort. And if people are prepared to do that, I, I, I'm an evangelist, you know, in a whole area. <laughs> yeah. you've, got, you've got to think of ways to allow people to get their point across. And going back to this whole thing of um, uh, and the point of today's uh, episode, uh, you know, about engagement and, yeah. and, and engagement and activation in a multilingual environment. Yeah. Um, I've seen seminars, conferences, you know, it, it, pretty straightforward, all English speaking conferences where people are reluctant to take that handheld mic during the Q&A session yeah. and stick their hand up and ask a question. You know, it does usually take the moderator to prompt a couple of questions yeah. to get the, the Q&A flowing before yeah. you really open yeah. up the audience to the idea that it's okay to do that. And yeah. so when you then translate that into an environment where you've got six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 different languages sat there, you have to ask the question, you know, how, how uh, comfortable are these people in actually sticking their hand up taking a microphone and in a room full of people they don't know asking a question in a language they can't really speak yeah to an expert on the stage yeah and 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 i think the whole thing is this is not just something that happens in japan or chile or or moscow you know if you think of the 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 makeup of the uk population and you think in internal meetings, you're going to have everything from Bulgarians to Polish people to Romanians, uh, sorry, uh, to you know Swedes to, to yeah. Brits. If you think of any congress or conference in the UK, you're going to have a mix of, of delegates uh, and nationalities. And, and so this isn't just something that should be thought about outside the UK. Uh, but often if you're running a meeting, I mean, the reality is you're running a meeting, if you're organizing a meeting, you think, right, I need tech in the room, I need to make sure the meals are right, we need to make sure the hotels are there. It's not front and foremost in terms of the, the thinking to the average event. Mm. Uh, so for me, it's, it's like being able to switch the light on and say, well, look, if part of your engagement strategy is you want more questions, uh, you want people to feel they've been involved and shaped the agenda or driven some discussions, then make it easy for them because technology makes it easy. It doesn't double the cost, treble the cost, quadruple the cost. Tech is tech. You know, it's, but by actually going the extra mile and, and making it available and trusting that the tech's not going to let you down, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, as I say, I'm, I'm biased, but that is just, it's just something that I think everybody should be thinking about. Where does it, um, going back to your own organizations and the businesses that you run and, and the yeah. two, I suppose, sides to the business, yeah. the open yeah. audience and open meet, yeah. one being a consultancy and the yeah. other one being the company that helps to de- deliver the tech and the service. Yeah. Um, is the consultancy purely focused on, on helping to find the right solutions that can be offered through the other company? Or will you no. consult with clients on any aspect of their event tech or, or any aspect of what they wanted to achieve yeah. and find the right solutions regardless of which provider yeah. you have to go yeah. to. And so I almost feel like in the old, in the old days you used to say, I'm an independent financial advisor. Tell yeah. me your financial circumstances and I'll recommend any mortgage in the market. Mm. Uh, that, that's how I feel that I'm with open audience. Uh, I've, if, if you don't need tech, you don't need tech. You know, and sometimes red and green cards are okay. I, I've got a bag of red and green cards. Because sometimes that's all you need. You know, if, if that's really, you know, people could put red and green cards up. 
Uh, I've run events where people have said, well, we'd like you to be involved in the event, but we're using one of your competitors' pieces of technology. Yeah, fine. You know, uh, it's like, let me work out what their tech does and let me make it sing. Mm. Because often there's technology out there that, you can be more creative than the standard way of using XYZ. Well, you could use XYZ, but I've used a, a free app to run a, 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 a strategy meeting where I put the free app on, on 35 iPads, had eight teams in different rooms, leadership team in another room, watching things build in real time. It was a free app off the App Store. Yeah. But the value that you've got is thinking through what's the needs, what's the pain that the organization has, What's the budget? You know, what's their attitude to technology? Because you don't want to use technology for technology's sake. You don't want to look like the gadget show. It should be an enabler, not a distraction. Well, let, let me ask you this on, on that, that very specific point that you just made, you know, technology for technology's sake. Um, when you mentioned you still have a bag of red and green cards there, yeah. it, is, is there the argument still in the event industry that if it's not broke, don't fix it? You know, if you have a successful meeting that has been running in yeah. quite a simple form, but that produces high levels of engagement that everybody yields great results from, yeah. are, are, people, are we sometimes guilty in the events industry of trying to fix things that are not broken? And just because there is technology there, thinking that we mm. have to use it when yeah. ne not necessarily we do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting question because I, I think there's something about we run events and, and it's, it's not minimum pain, but you know you've got 20 things you're going to be measured on. <laughs> and a good successful event is delegates go away and, and maybe your measure is do the sign up for the next one. Yeah. But often the, the end client, if you're running an event for the end client, the end client wants to know, well, what did people think? If there was nurses and doctors in the room, the nurses and doctors have different opinions. If there was teachers and head teachers, the he teachers and head teachers, do they think differently? Do people from Northern Ireland think differently from Scotland? Do people from outside the UK? And so we kind of get into a point which is, you can run a meeting and have simple tech. And for a lot of cases, there's a lot of pilot high, sell it cheap tech, which does the job. Yeah. And if you say, I only wanted to do X, Y, Z, then yeah, yeah, if you've already got a license for some free takers and it works, crack on. But if you want to think about how to really get insight and, 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 and how to really, really, really measure the value of a meeting, then part of it is start before you run the meeting and say, how am I going to know if this meeting's uh, a positive? Mm -hmm. And how do we know if we're going to have positive outcomes? And then... What is a positive outcome? Is it an NPS score? Is it number of questions? Is it people signing up for future events? Uh, is it a, a real-time pulse of the audience? So if you know if people are happy, are you prepared to shape the agenda on the day to, based on what delegates are going to tell you? Are you prepared to change what you do on the day in advance because you're pre-engaged? And that, now that's a different kind of thing uh, where it, it's, it's like the next level up, which is what's the purpose of my meeting? And, and, and can I have a more positive outcome for my client? Sure. And in a lot of cases, people haven't thought about that. And maybe they don't need to, but, but sometimes just by having this conversation, people think, oh, can you measure that? Yeah. Can, well, oh, I'd like to know this. Uh, oh, an NPS score, Net Promoter score. Oh, what does that tell me? All oh, right, okay. Well, have you got a measure against other events you do? Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. Oh, it'd be interesting to see how this, well, if I do this four meetings, will I be, I'll be able to check the value of the meetings over a four meeting series. Yeah, yeah, you can. And as soon as you get into the conversation or discussion about 
measuring the outcome and getting insight from the audience, you start to think differently about the technology you use. Absolutely. Uh, as I say, I, I, I get very excited. <laughs> <laughs> very excited about this. It, 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 enthusiasm is something that, that uh, we never shy away from on the uh, right. podcast. Um, We've been talking today on the podcast to Leslie Robertson. Leslie, our guest today, is the founder of Open Audience and Open Meet. And uh, the two of us have been discussing about multilingual events and how technology that is now available to us is, is really opening the doors for the levels of engagement and interaction that we can deliver at all types of events by uh, opening it up to multiple languages to allow people to speak or access information uh, in written text in their native tongue and then be able to put questions to perhaps a, a, a seminar host or to other attendees at an event um, and, uh, and really use that to increase the, um, the audience engagement. Um, Leslie, if people want to find out a little bit more about the organisations that you run, um, how can they do that? Uh, they can uh, email me at leslie at openaudience.co.uk or head to either of our websites, which is openaudience.co.uk or openmeet.com. Fantastic. Um, we're going to wrap up today's podcast uh, episode there. Uh, if you want to find out a little bit more about what we've been talking about today, please do get in touch with Leslie and uh, have a look through eventindustrynews.com. Loads of uh, event tech solutions and dedicated pages on the Event Industry News website related to the event technology that's available to, uh, to our followers. The podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Award. Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage. And on the subject of, of technology and platforms, don't forget to stay up to date with all of the latest news, the latest features and uh, special reports that are going on to eventindustrynews.com. Our podcasts are uh, published on uh, the, uh, the Wednesday of each week. Um, and on the last Wednesday of each month, we've started to do live Facebook podcasts as well that you can follow and tune into via the Event Industry News Facebook page. But that is all for today. Um, thanks once again to our guest, Leslie Robertson from Open Audience and Open Meet for uh, coming on to the show. First time guest today. It's been great to have you on board, Leslie. Thanks very Thank much. Thank you. And uh, we will see and uh, hopefully hear from all of you on the next episode of the Event Industry News podcast. My name is James Dixon. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.